0: Welcome, everyone, to the Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast presented by the 33rd team. I am your host, as always, Josh Larky. You can find me on Twitter at tweets. And joined with me, as always, the star of the show, our lead, Dynasty Analyst, Ian Miller, at Dynasty underscore. I am on Twitter. Today, we will be talking about Dynasty quarterback rankings in depth. And we're just going to kick the show off in spicy fashion. Who do you prefer in Dynasty between Deshaun
1: Watson and Justin Fields? I know I'm living on an island here and I'm going to take Deshaun Watson. Now the thing about Dynasty where you can start to make a lot of money or start to get really good at Dynasty is when you take advantage of people who have more of a short-term memory because Dynasty is not for the short-term memory. We know that things happen year to year that can fluctuate, but... Let's take the case of Deshaun Watson, who hasn't played in two years, basically came back last season to a whole new offense, and people were pretty disappointed. And it's not that his production was totally awful by any stretch of the imagination. But let's go back to when Watson was a full-time player. We have three eligible seasons from Deshaun Watson because of the rookie injury. All three seasons are higher than Justin Fields' highest season last year. Justin Fields put up 21.1 points per game. That's solid. That's QB one numbers. Deshaun Watson's worst season was 23.8 points per game, which doesn't account for his 24 the next season or his 27 the season after that. And not just that the last season that Watson had an eligible season. So his last season in Houston just passing, he had 23.6 points per game, just passing. That's more than Justin Fields put up altogether, and clearly crushes Justin Fields 11.3 passing points per game. I'm not saying Justin Fields can't improve, but is it more likely that someone takes a dramatic, dramatic third-year leap after being one of the worst passers in the league? Or is it more likely that someone with a four-year sample size of being one of the best quarterbacks in the game goes back to being the best quarterback in the game? Oh, and let's not talk about how the team was so, the Browns were so confident in this that they extended him on a massive contract, something that Fields will literally have to take a giant leap just to earn. I love it. One thing we talked about pre-show is ultimately
0: like at this point in Fields' career, I don't think he's locked in 30, 40 million dollars a year from a team to pay him. Uh, I think he can do it, but there's still a chance that Fields is on the, the Baker Mayfield track where he starts to get expensive and the team goes, nope, haven't seen enough. So optimism around Fields with the improved offensive line, with the improved weapons. But as of right now, He simply has not done it. Now, this show is pretty much going to focus on your Dynasty quarterback rankings that you have tiered. You have player write-ups. You have draft pick values for each tier. It's one of the best articles I've seen for Dynasty, quite frankly, ever in terms of the way that that you've laid it out. It's easy to read, gotten some very good feedback from it on Twitter, and we're just going to walk through that. And early in this article, you talk about the quarterback position overall. Let's discuss why you need to build through quarterback in super flex or two quarterback dynasty
1: leagues. Well, there's a few reasons. First of all, we know that quarterbacks score the most points of any position. So yes, that helps you reach a higher upside when you have players or good players that are going to score the most in fantasy football. But what else? The stability when you're building these dynasty teams, you don't want to draft a guy with such premium value that has the chance of just falling off in a couple years. How do I know quarterbacks are the most stable? Well, we could see it through ADP where you see we've had just a few years ago, you had plenty of running backs in the first round. All those guys have fallen off. In fact, we don't even have a single first round running back in startup ADP. And Bijan is the closest to it. So we see that fall off. The quarterbacks that are going there, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, even after taking basically two years off of football, is still a first-round startup quarterback. So the stability that's locked into these guys, not only is it very apparent in Dynasty, but you can see it just in NFL contracts. These contracts that quarterbacks are getting not only are massive and have the most guaranteed money of all positions by far, but they are the longest by far. When we talk about Patrick Moms, we're talking about like 10-plus-year deals. When we're talking about these guys getting paid, it's very clear that the stability and the anchor of your dynasty team should be with guys who score a lot of points and are pretty stable there.
0: Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, he's very good at football. He gets a ten-year extension. If Bijan Robinson is incredibly good at football, towards the end of his rookie deal, I promise you, you can come back, you can roll the tape in three and a half years. The Falcons will not be giving Bijan Robinson a ten-year, five hundred million dollar extension. Guarantee it. Book it. Hot take of the day. Bijan Robinson, not eligible for the half billion dollar extension. On a serious note, you have 11 tiers for your dynasty quarterback rankings. We're going to start at the bottom and build up. Wouldn't be fun if we started with the best players. Let's start with some of the, some of the worst players. That's always fun. So tier 11, these are the guys that you identified as you can acquire them for a fourth round rookie pick. And you identified these tier 10 quarterbacks as you can acquire them for a third-round rookie pick. In Tier 10, you're pretty low on a few of these players compared to consensus. We have Atlanta's Desmond Ritter, Washington's Sam Howell, and Tampa Bay's Baker Mayfield. Back-to-back-to-back to back to back in your rankings. Why, why do you hate these three players when they are technically the starters on their respective depth charts at quarterback?
1: Well, I would say a main reason that they are there Is because yes, actually, they're a little higher than some other guys who I don't think are very good because they're locked into that starting job, at least for now. But when we invest in dynasty players, we want players who are probably going to be good. And even if you're the starter, that in no way guarantees you are going to continue being the starter. Let's take Desmond Ritter, for example, who went in the third round. Well, I had him as a low floor prospect, and we've had 14 of them drafted since uh, 2006 in the third round. Yes, there's Russell Wilson, but then when you go down the list, not only do the rest of them not even have a QB1 season, all of them except Jacoby Brissett don't even have a QB2 season. So when we're talking about who he was as a prospect, which is all we can go off of because we don't have nearly a sufficient sample when it comes to Desmond Ritter, the odds of him being successful are pretty low. And then when you look at a guy, and same is true for Sam Howell except He's a worse prospect because he went on the third day of the draft. And we, again, only have basically a one game sample here. So the odds are actually worse for Sam Howell. And then when you take a guy like Baker Mayfield, well, he has been passed around the league. And I don't know about you, but unless you're Geno Smith, you're not seeing too many guys bounce around the league and then all of a sudden become a viable fantasy option. And not even that, a low ceiling viable fantasy option. Someone who has to step in and then be an amazing passer because what he does on the ground will not support a high floor, well, then you're just looking at these low-ceiling guys that are just hopefully good.
0: We're going to skip Tier 9. Make sure you read that article. It's free on the 33 team.com. We're going to move up to Tier 8. These are players that you thought were worth around a second-round rookie pick. They're just maybe a little more. They're not quite worth a first-rounder in most leagues. You have Kenny Pickett and Brock Purdy next to each other in this tier. Steelers fans want to know, they want to hold you accountable, and I think they're right. They, they deserve an answer. Why are you so low on Kenny Pickett? What does he need to do in 2023 for you to rank him as a top 10 dynasty quarterback moving forward? Because Steelers fans are convinced Kenny Pickett is a top 10 real-life quarterback, and I know the dynasty community that's obsessed with the Steelers also thinks this guy has monumental upside. But uh, let's talk to them, and uh, let's use use some data to show them why Kenny Pickett is probably not the golden boy.
1: Now, while he's not as bad of a prospect as Desmond Ritter was, because, well, Kenny Pickett went in the first round of the NFL draft, which already for going in the first round of the NFL draft, his prospect grade of low floor is not very good. And if you look at other first-rounders that went there, like, uh, shoot, uh, EJ manual, for example, is the first one that comes to my mind in this, in this list of not very good first round prospects, where we could say, yeah, there's a very good chance to not very good. Then we can go into the rookie season. And while we don't expect much from rookie quarterbacks, we saw that Kenny Pickett didn't exactly show us over the course of a season that He's above what his prospect grade said he was a 73 PFF passing grade, 12.1 points per game altogether, including less than 10 points per game passing. Now, while we don't expect much from rookies, even if we expect the leap, well, we don't have that monumental upside with Kenny Pickett. Why? Because he averages just three yards or uh, three points per game on the ground. When we talk about three points per game on the ground, sure, that's good if you're Joe Burrow, who we'll get to later, where you can be wildly efficient on a ton of volume where that actually kind of helps your ceiling well when you're kenny pickett you have to do that to get there you have to be one of the most wildly efficient on pretty high volume passing just to get into those high profitable uh passing production because what he has right now is a prospect grade that says "Mm, he's probably not very good a rookie season that doesn't change our opinion of who he was as a prospect. And those two things put together going into a second year, again, likely don't lead to a high probability of being good, let alone being very good where it's such an impactful production that you're putting up.
0: Kenny Pickett started 12 games as a rookie. He had at least 200 passing yards. Low bar, right? He's a fairly non-mobile quarterback. You think he's passing a lot. We know he's not running much. In those 12 starts, four of them he reached 200 passing yards, which means eight of his 12 rookie starts. He was under 200 passing yards. Let's turn to the other guy I mentioned, Brock Purdy. Let's say Brock Purdy starts throwing next month and he's named the team's opening day starter in mid-August. How much higher does he climb in your dynasty rankings?
1: Well, first of all, I think if that were to happen... We should start putting researchers on this because whatever happened to his arm recovered in miracle fashion because there's (laughs) no way that he will be uh, throwing on opening day considering he hasn't even started throwing right now. But anyways, I actually don't mind Brock Purdy. Here's the issue with him though. While he was pretty good as a rookie and he showed that in his passing production, scoring just under 14 points per game passing as a rookie, that's pretty good with a pretty adequate Uh, receipt or passing scores like above a 70 uh, PFF passing grade or when we look at his adjusted yards per attempt he's at 8.6 that's pretty good and likely a little bit helped by having a quarterback guru in Kyle Shanahan now I think that leads to you're probably pretty good if you do that and there's a good chance you could be especially with all the smoke we hear coming out
0: that was well laid out If you're very interested in our rookie rankings, I know everyone wants those rookie rankings. Rookie drafts happen throughout the summer. Make sure you check out our rookie guide. It's on the33rdteam.com. If you can't find it for any reason, just DM me on Twitter at JLarkeyTweets, and I will help you find our free downloadable PDF. You get our full rookie rankings that Ian, Ryan Reynolds, and myself compiled. You get to read over 50 player profiles where – we have quick hitting stats on play style, college production. You get to see what their draft capital was, where we would take them in superflex and one quarterback leagues. You get Ian's fantasy player comps for these. And then we also have the top 20 IDP prospects ranked as well. So if you play IDP, if you don't play IDP, this is the rookie guide for you. One other thing on the site is make sure you check out our win totals. I went through and I calculated win probabilities for all 272 NFL games happening in 2023. That's what powers our win totals. Ryan Reynolds and I have a podcast that came out this past Friday discussing all 32 teams power ranked in depth so you can understand how we're viewing these teams on neutral playing fields. Because at the end of the day, you have to take the team out of the division when you want to calculate win probabilities per game. Obviously, uh, the AFC South, NFC South, these are terrible divisions. These teams' win totals might be inflated. But it's still important to know where they stand outside the division because, spoiler alert, 11 of a team's 17 games are actually outside the division. Basically, two-thirds of your opponents will not be divisional opponents. You need to plan accordingly, and we have done that. Let's now turn towards Tier 7. I'll call this old reliable. These are the boring veterans. Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff. Got a thought experiment. Let's assume this is Kirk Cousins' final year in Minnesota. I think that's likely at this point. Let's say now that Jared Goff gets extended by Detroit. They're having contract extensions. I'm not seeing anything about Cousins getting extended in Minnesota. How much would their values change if Cousins was no longer in Minnesota after this year and Goff is staying in Detroit? So how does the value change? And then how confident are you that Cousins starts for a different team in 2024?
1: So to answer your first question, that would obviously move Jared Goff above a Kirk Cousins because he's more locked into that starter job. That being said, it really doesn't move Jared Goff up that much because we know who Jared Goff is. In his good season, he's scoring, well, about 20 points per game. Fringe quarterback one, maybe a little outside which is exactly what Kirk Cousins has done for like the last eight years now. So while he would likely still stay in that, that same tier, he would go above Kirk Cousins because you can lock that production in longer and you're more, you're more stable because of the franchise has decided that they will extend him. They want him, which gives us signal he's probably going to continue starting and putting up points. That answer your second question. I think as weird as this is, it's going to come down to how good was Kirk Cousins last season? So, or this coming season. So what I mean by that is he has been old reliable just looking since he became a full-time starter in year four, his fantasy production, 20 plus points per game, 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 19.4, 20 points per game, 20 plus points per game, 20 plus points per game, old reliable. He's not getting into those top numbers, but he's right there, right above 20 points per game every single season. Now why I say it matters last year is because we actually saw his peripherals drop a bit. So, part of what helped him despite his peripherals dropping is that we saw Minnesota throw the ball more than we've ever seen them throw the ball with Kirk Cousins. So, when that happens, his peripherals drop. So, just looking from year eight, he had 8.7 adjusted yards per attempt, which went down to an 8.5 adjusted yards per attempt, 8.1 adjusted yards per attempt, to last season dropping down to seven adjusted yards per attempt. So, as the pass attempts grew, which obviously helps your raw production you're just throwing the ball more, there's more opportunities to score fantasy points. That's how it was able to still be okay despite a drop in his peripherals. So if next season we see that drop continue, well, then I think it's really hard to continue wanting to take Kirk Cousins as old reliable because, well, he's clearly diminishing a bit and the past attempts have kind of just supported his points per game throughout there. So if next season we see that up and they still don't extend him, then yeah, Kirk Cousins is someone that we should feel comfortable getting a starting job with next year. Why? Because, well, not still, there's not a ton of quarterbacks that are doing what Kirk Cousins does. When we talk about in fantasy football, him being fringe quarterback one, that means top 12. There's still plenty of other quarterbacks in the league and Kirk Cousins is well above them. He's just not in that high tier. So if we see the peripherals drop, well, then it's pretty sketchy. If they, if they at least come up from what they were last year, well, then Kirk Cousins will have a starting job next year.
0: Yeah, I'm not too concerned about him starting either. I mean, this past offseason, we saw Daniel Jones, Derek Carr sign multi-year deals with teams. Pretty sure Kirk Cousins is locked in for a while, so he continues to be one of those quarterbacks. Same with Goff. Same with the other quarterbacks in that tier. You'll have to check out who else is in Old Reliable. These are quarterbacks. They're they're not always sexy, but they're going to have long-term futures, which At this point, we talked about him earlier. Kenny Pickett, it is not clear that in four, five, six seasons, Kenny Pickett is a starting NFL quarterback. Keep that in mind that, yes, the age gap may be 10 years, but when you think about the starting quarterback, it is not always guaranteed that two, three years down the line, even someone like a Pickett, a Justin Fields is starting. Let's turn to tier six. This features CJ Stroud and Daniel Jones at the top. You label their trade value here as a first-round rookie pick. We f- we finally did it. We broke into the fun guys. You're finally paying a first-rounder for them. Now, you have C.J. Stroud ranked ahead of Daniel Jones. Even though Daniel Jones is more mobile, outline this decision point for
1: the listeners. Well, when we play fantasy football, we want to gain value. We want our players to earn value, and maybe we can flip them for even better pieces, even if we don't like what we have because the value grew. So with C.J. Stroud, we don't 100% know what he is, but even with a bad rookie season, we know his value will pretty much stay where it is. We've seen that year over year. My favorite example is Zach Wilson after his abysmal rookie season was still top 15 in ADP following that season because, well, as a rookie quarterback, you're not expected to, and you get the excuse of being a rookie quarterback. So even if C.J. Stroud is bad, his value is pretty locked in, pretty safe. With Daniel Jones, if he's not mobile, which he had a career year. It was much higher. His highest rushing points per game before last year was 3.8. It went up to 7.1, an outlier of a season. We would need to see that again. And not only that, Daniel Jones' most productive passing season was as a rookie. In the last three years, he's never actually got above 13 points per game passing. Remember, we talked about Justin Fields being one of the worst passers in the league, and he was at 11.3 in historically low volume. That wasn't the case for Daniel Jones. In fact, when we look over his entire career, he's never actually been a good passer. In fact, in his four years of starting, he's never had a PFF passing grade above 75. He's never had an adjusted yards per attempt above seven. That's not very good, especially for a guy who is going into his fifth season. Yes, he's locked in. Is the is the production that comes along with it super stable? Well, No, because when we finally saw him break through and become that mobile quarterback, we've been waiting to see it's an outlier of a season. So if we talked about median outcomes and Daniel Jones has a worse season than he does last year, well, guess what? The value will inevitably drop there. So with both guys, you likely aren't getting like very high end impactful uh, production out of them. So why not take the guy who's safer and has the higher upside because well, we haven't seen it yet. And the NFL said, this guy is a good prospect.
0: You know, it's very funny. You keep talking about CJ Stroud and safe. The guy's never played an NFL game. So you might say, oh, he's, that's, he's not safe. This is a black box. My favorite example, you always go back to it. After an abysmal rookie season, Zach Wilson was still the dynasty quarterback 15. After his rookie season, CJ Stroud could be terrible. And the value is insulated because he'd be going into year two when he still gets all the opportunities to remain the Texans starting quarterback. And I think one of my favorite CJ Stroud stats that shows the incompetence of the Texans, the Texans don't have their first round pick next year. They traded their first round pick to be able to take edge rusher Will Anderson at number three in this draft right after they took Stroud at number two. So even if the Texans are terrible and Stroud is terrible, The Arizona Cardinals are the ones who benefit. CJ Stroud is locked in. He is about as safe as it gets for a prospect where we haven't seen him play yet. We're going to skip over tier five and it's three quarterbacks. Again, this article is free on the 33rd team.com. Can't spoil everything. We're going to move into tier four. What should our expectations be for Anthony Richardson? Who's in this tier? I wrote a piece on the 33rd team about why you should fade him at his current cost of quarterback 10 in 2023 redraft and best ball leagues. But long-term, there's optimism. Talk to me about long-term expectations for Anthony Richardson.
1: It's kind of funny how it works. I fully agree with Josh that he's probably not someone you want to take in redrafts of for 2023 alone at quarterback 10. And guess what? I did a projection on the Colts already. I have Anthony Richardson at 18.4 points per game in his rookie season, and that's actually pretty good. But if you're drafting for 2023 alone and you're drafting him at quarterback 10, well, guess what? He's going to finish lower than that. So that's what we mean. You are drafting him probably right around his ceiling at QB 10 when you're talking about 2023 alone. But here's why we can like him in Dynasty. Because if he does hit that 18.4 median projection that I have him at, well, there's only been 13 rookie quarterbacks to do it. And when I say the names, you're telling me that while we just talked about how rookie quarterbacks are safe, especially one where there's high rushing upside and it's pretty easy to convince yourself on it, these, I'll rapidly go through the 13 names that actually put this up, an 18 plus point per game season as a rookie. Cam Newton, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, James Winston, Andrew Luck, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Baker Mayfield, Marcus Mariota, Daniel Jones, Robert Griffin III, Russell Wilson, and Dak Prescott. No matter what, you're telling me, even if he finishes lower in redraft than you want him to, you're telling me that in dynasty, that that will not be very, very lucrative to see, especially when you know that rushing ceiling is absolutely there. So you are investing in a safe a prospect because, well, he went fourth overall. Rookie quarterback value is rather safe. And we know that the rushing upside is there. It is so easy to see that the value is safe and that going into his second season, you will have all the upside in the world. And if you're scared about it, you can get off of him for probably a slightly higher price than you paid for. Let's talk about
0: Trey Lance for a second. Trey Lance didn't play as a rookie. His dynasty value was awesome heading into year two. Obviously, things have changed. He had a catastrophic leg injury in year two. But what we're saying is essentially, let's say that you watch Richardson as a rookie and you hate the guy and you're like, man, I hate the 33rd team. I cannot believe they told me I should take him at the 102 and Superflex rookie drafts. Like Ian said, it's okay. You watch the tape, you hate him. You'll be able to trade him away for similar, if not better value after year one. That's how it works with these rookie quarterbacks. Now, before we dive into tier three, Reminder that this podcast, all of them that we do, the one that I do with Ryan Reynolds, the one that Alex Caruso and Ben Wolby do, the one that Jordan Vanek and Hilo do, they are all in the 3013 Podcast Network feed. The 3013 Podcast Network, you can find it on Apple and Spotify. Listen, subscribe, give us five stars. It doesn't take any time to do that. And if you're listening and you enjoy this free content, it's going to be with you all off season and during the entire NFL season. We do this for you. You can do that one simple task for us. It means a lot, and it keeps podcasts like this going. Let's now turn to Tier 3. This is my favorite question of the show because, God, I love the hair on these two quarterbacks. Let's discuss the two Tier 3 quarterbacks of Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence.
1: Yeah, I have them in the same tier because why? Well, they both aren't high-end rushers. Now, I have Herbert higher for a reason. Because Herbert has actually shown that he can put up, like we talked about earlier with Joe Burrow, wildly efficient and productive seasons passing on rather high volume, one of the highest in the leagues. And that will translate to fantasy points, especially when both of them are getting roughly around three points per game. And I do think Justin Herbert not scoring a rushing touchdown last year is a bit of an anomaly when you look at his rushing points per game being 3.6 and 2.8 and then dropping to below one. We've actually seen Herbert use his legs an adequate amount to where you are throwing a wildly efficient and you're wildly high volume that will support it. You can get into the top five of production. Now, is it something that's super likely? It's probably about the median outcome to see Justin Herbert right around 24 points per game. Is it with Trevor Lawrence? Well, not exactly because not only have we not seen it, well, Justin Herbert just had his worst passing season of his career. His first season, 22.6 through the air. His second season, 23.4 points per game through the air. Last season, 18.8. Guess what? That's still higher than Trevor Lawrence's breakout season last year. So when you're talking about Justin Herbert, you're talking about someone that probably has a much safer floor than Trevor Lawrence, while both can be good. But the thing is, Trevor Lawrence probably doesn't throw 40 pass attempts per game like Justin Herbert does. And if he does, well, then that'll be new for the Jaguars and would love to see it. But again, with Trevor Lawrence, if you're taking above Herbert, you're betting on a projection rather than something that we've actually seen before, which in some cases, like going into year three, does matter, especially when you're talking about first-round startup guys.
0: That's good. These guys are both still in their early 20s. Age doesn't really matter with Herbert being a touch older At the end of the day, we know that we've got a decade plus of fantasy points. You might as well take the guy that's done it multiple seasons at a higher level in Justin Herbert. We're going to come back to Tier 2 quarterbacks shortly. Don't worry, everyone. Let's talk about the Tier 1 quarterbacks. They're borderline untouchable. Right now we have Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts in that tier. We've talked about this over phone calls. We've talked about this earlier on the podcast. If you don't have those three, at the top of your dynasty rankings, you're doing something wrong. I don't want to sugarcoat it. That's Something in your process is wildly off. The hamster spinning the wheel is running backwards, running sideways. Maybe it's asleep. Which quarterback among these three is most likely to fall out of this tier over the next two seasons?
1: Well, these quarterbacks are in this tier because we have a feeling that they are super safe, super stable, and probably not guys that are going to fall out of the tier. But if I had to pick just one, it's the guy who I have third on the list, and that's Jalen Hurts. And there's nothing against Jalen Hurts. We are nitpicking a tier one that we have as like untouchable quarterbacks, but we're just choosing one here. So why would I choose Jalen Hurts? Well, we know how important passing is in the NFL. And yes, he had a fantastic passing season, and it'll likely continue. But why would I say he is over Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen? Well, Patrick Mahomes, I don't think I have to get too into it. I mean, shoot, the NFL knows and thinks he is the best quarterback alive. He likely is. And in fantasy, we routinely see him quarterback one, quarterback one, quarterback two, quarterback three, routinely every year. Doesn't matter if he has weapons, if he doesn't have winning wide receivers, whatever it may be. He is just consistently that good. Josh Allen, we've seen him also do it on very high volume, be a very good passer, as well as use his legs. So we have with those two guys, we have seen them be prolific passers more than one season, and they're doing it on incredibly high volume. This last season, while I still think Jalen Hurts will continue to do it, the reason I would say that he's the one to fall off is, well, he just had his first season where it's like, whoa, this guy's actually a really good passer. But the thing is he did that on 30 pass attempts per game. So that was one of the league's lowest. So when you get to a higher usage or higher opportunity and passing volume, well, then sometimes you see some peripherals fall because, well, you get exposed when you have to do it. Think of it like this. If I shoot three three three-pointers and I make two of them, I'm like, guys, I shoot 66% from three. I am unheard of. (laughs) But guess what? If I take 100, do you think I'm hitting 66? No, it's not exactly that exaggerative, or it's not exactly that precise, but I'm giving kind of an exaggerative example here.
0: Now, before we, we close out the show with this tier two quarterback question that I think everyone's going to be a little bit shocked about, just a reminder to subscribe, like, five star of this podcast. It's in the 33rd Team Podcast Network on Apple, Spotify, wherever else you can get your podcasts. Make sure to follow Ian at dynasty underscore I'm on Twitter. His quarterback rankings just hit the site. His running back rankings are up very soon. And we'll discuss running backs in a podcast shortly after that. This is the type of content that's hard to find other places. Transparent, detailed, actionable dynasty rankings for the people. You can also follow me at tweets. Reminder to check out our rookie guide. And as I said, if for some reason You want to see some of Ian's content, my content, other content. For some reason, you don't know how to find it. You can always just DM me. My DMs are always open on Twitter. All right. It's time to close this show out. Your tier two has only two names in it. Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. Which of those two is more likely to rise up into tier one by next season
1: well we talk about how you shouldn't have a short mindset in dynasty well it doesn't you honestly don't even have to have a short one to realize that one of these guys put up above 30 points per game just a few seasons ago in fact we're talking a 32.2 points per game that's simply unheard of you know why it is because Lamar Jackson is the only one that does it Didn't mean to spoil it right there, but it is crazy what this guy does. And it's like what, what he does on the ground gets taken for granted. What I mean by that is we've never seen a quarterback have three straight seasons of seven plus rushing yards per game on the ground. Guess what? Lamar Jackson has done it four times. And not just that Lamar Jackson has the highest point per game season of all time on the ground. And you know why we should even be more crazed by that. He also has the highest college point per game scoring on the ground. It's like every year you have this wildly ridiculous floor, and we have a history just going back a couple of years that that dude put up 32.2 points per game. If you have that on your fantasy team, it, doesn't, it almost doesn't matter who else is on it because he will win that league for you. He will win matchups for you just going off, and he continues to do it every year, but it's like at this point we've taken it for granted. So what I will say is that by next offseason, Lamar Jackson will be a Tier 1 quarterback.